All right. Welcome back to a Clubfoot Mom podcast. I'm your host and fellow Clubfoot Mom, Maureen Hoff. Our guest today is Rocky Berger, the mother of a Clubfoot cutie who is turning two soon. We actually connected over social media, our Instagram accounts, after my presentation for the webinar, It Takes a Village, that was put on by MD Orthopedics and Mason's Healthcare back in October. So Rocky actually has an interesting perspective on clubfoot treatment as her son was diagnosed after he was born rather than in utero. And so we're going to talk today about how that impacted their clubfoot treatment and her overall experience with clubfoot. I'm looking forward to speaking with Rocky and hearing her experience with treatment because I frequently talk about how on this show about how treatment can vary depending on the circumstances. And I think Rocky's story is a great example of that. So hi, Rocky, thanks for being here. Hi, Maureen. So let's jump on in. So I usually start with the same kind of question with all my clubfoot moms, and that's just, why don't you give us kind of a general overview of your experience with clubfoot treatment? Um, because right. I know that it's been a different experience with the beginning of treatment due to that diagnosis. So let's just start at the beginning. When was your son diagnosed with clubfoot and tell us about what that was like? Okay, so what you were saying is that he, we didn't know before he was born and we really didn't. He had, I had a normal pregnancy. He's my first. Um, pregnancy went along as normal. I was due end of November. He wasn't born till about a week and a half, two weeks after that, he was way overdue. Um, and the whole labor and delivery itself was very hard and very long. I went in Monday, he wasn't born until Wednesday. Um, and then right after he was born, like really minutes after he was born, a nurse comes up to me and like, she takes my hand and she whispers in my ear. She's like, your son was born with club foot. And I had no clue what that was. Um, no idea. Um, I imagine it's something to do with his foot, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought to myself, I'm like, oh, okay, I have a special child. Like that was really my entire reaction to finding out that he had club butt. I was in a very big haze then, um, mm-hmm. between like the post delivery and everything from that. Um, so we didn't really know much about it. Um, we he was born Wednesday. We left the hospital um, Saturday night. Um, we had called his pediatrician to schedule his first visit mm-hmm. and nobody in the hospital said anything about the foot to us. Um, when we called his pediatrician to schedule a visit, um, it was a few days after he was born, I think it was still in the hospital. And we told them on the phone, we're like, so he was born with club foot. Do we have to come in earlier? Is it something that needs to get checked out? Mm-hmm. And they said, no, we start mm-hmm. seeing newborn patients at two weeks old. So we'll schedule you in for then. Um, and that was really like what happened. I didn't have to think about the club foot during the entire two weeks. Um, I go to this pediatrician visit with him, um, my first visit, and we didn't even see the primary doctor. We saw a secondary doctor there. Um, she was newer to the practice, I think. Um, and when we told her, she didn't seem so worried Mm. and she, didn't even know where to send us because I think she was new to the practice. So mm-hmm. she like looks up contact information for a local orthopedic office. Um, and she sends us there. She gives me the contact information really. Um, 
being as of a new mother, no idea what was getting done. I don't think I even remembered Googling what clubfoot was. So I don't know if I knew the treatment should have started earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, But I finally called them to make an appointment. Um, We got an appointment for him when he was five weeks old. Mm. So this is beginning of January. I go to this appointment with him um, by myself. It was like a half hour drive at a newborn. And I go to this appointment and they tell me that my insurance didn't work for him. Mm. Um, mostly because it was uh, right after the new year and my insurance for some reason for him didn't transfer over to 2020 as opposed to 2019. Mm. So I didn't know what to do. I kept asking, Sorry, I got asking them. I'm like, he's five weeks old. I do mm-hmm. remember seeing that his treatment should start. Mm-hmm. But what am I supposed to do? I kept asking them, should I, can I ask the doctor if it's fine if we wait another two weeks till I figure out my insurance um, problems? And they're like, if you want an appointment with the doctor, it's a consultation. It's like $400, $500. I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> There's no way I can do that. Right. So right. I didn't even know if it was fine or not fine that we pushed off the treatment. Mm. Um, so I pushed up the appointment we made it for another two weeks. He started, we went there when he was seven weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is when we started his casting. Mm. Um, I had already gone back to work. I went back to work when he was six weeks old. So I could take off, um, every Tuesday, mm. um, to take him to the doctor. Um, and that itself was hard because the first appointment I walked in there and I, I think I knew he was going to be casted, but I was still like, I, I didn't realize at that appointment. Mm-hmm. Be tested. Mm-hmm. Because you didn't have and a consultation, right? Yeah. You didn't have that consultation. Right. Yeah. So you go in and you're like, okay. Yeah. All of a sudden like we go happening. in and yeah. And uh-huh. they put a cast in his foot and I was there alone. My husband wasn't there. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, why mm-hmm. is he getting a cast all of a sudden? Mm-hmm. And I'm just so happy that I like took pictures of the progress. I remember, uh, different clubfoot mother telling me that she didn't take pictures of the progress and I didn't mean to be taking pictures of the progress is that mm. mainly I went to these appointments by myself without my husband mm. so I was just sending him pictures of the progress right. and I'm just so happy I have those pictures to look back at and say oh you see the progress and what was really going on wow. um he my son got he got six casts um every mm. week a new cast it wasn't a hard cast. Um, I know a lot of clever mothers have that for their kids, a hard cast where it has to get sawed saw off, sawed off, sorry. Yeah. Um, his is a soft cast, which got peeled off. So hmm. his appointments were usually Tuesday morning. Um, at the end, like the last two or three casts, the doctor said I can peel it off at home in the morning and give him a bath and then bring him to the appointment, which I started doing. Hmm. Um so I just know my experience with casting was different than most um, right. because it was a soft cast. Um, what does and then that I mean? Peel it off like, what, like, what does that even feel like? Like, I know people use like the fiber cast sometimes, but like, what is a soft cast? So I don't, I know he had a hard cast. Um, later on, he, he got a hard cast for after his tenotomy, but um I'm not exactly sure what it looks like. It mm. wasn't, it was just like a soft material. I was able to like literally unravel it around his foot and peel it off. Mm. So that's what you mean by peeling it off. Like you just yeah. kind of unraveled it. 
I unraveled okay. it around this button and I took it off as opposed wow. to it like being like cut off or sawed off. Um, at that point, the doctor loved his progress of how it was going. He did not need the tenotomy. Um, I didn't even know really what that was either. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know a lot of information about Clubfoot. It wasn't like, I wasn't on any Facebook groups. I just wasn't aware of really what it was. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was like, okay, casting, and then we're done. And that was really it. Um, and then after the six casts, we go back and we get beginning of March of 2020, we go and we go for a boots and bar. Mm. Um, and for that first appointment, we also really didn't know what the boots and bar was going to be, um, what it entailed. That first mm. appointment, we got it. And he was miserable that first week that we had them. It was the beginning of March. Um, he was just crying. He couldn't sleep. This, this was March and 2020. March, beginning of March 2020. Okay. So we ended up going back. Yeah, of like mm -hmm. just so you understand the timeline of what was going on yes. in the world of that. Right, point. right. We right. went back a week later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we went back a week later because he was just so miserable and it was making us so unhappy. Mm -hmm. um, I'm so happy we went back because they showed us that we weren't doing it tight enough. Um, mm -hmm. His feet were slipping out. They told us that he can't be in onesies, um, footsie pajamas because um, he, he kept sliding his feet out. We didn't oh. know that. We don't know he needed socks. Like we just mm. didn't know any of this. Like, we weren't like made aware of any of this. Mm. I guess we we're supposed to know. Um, so mm. I'm so happy we went back for that second appointment, which was like March 12th, I think, of 2020, wow. like right before the whole world shut down. Um, that appointment I went with my husband, and I remember even then they said, Oh, only one parent in the room. And we're like, no, nah, that's fine. We can both go in. And they're like, okay, just don't tell anybody that we're letting mm -hmm. you both in. And then like two days later, their office shut down. Like wow. it, we were just so happy that we got that and we were right. done. But it didn't end there. Our story oh. wasn't just like he got his boots and bar and that was it. Um he didn't sleep and uh he didn't he couldn't sleep. He was so miserable. Um mm he slept in his stroller we had a duna car seat mm. and he slept in that for maybe two months um until we fully transitioned him into sleeping back into his crib wow. and like that itself it got me so worried is it the right thing um mm. they say it's not safe for a baby to sleep in a car seat and it was just the added worry upon the pressure of him being miserable with the boots and bar Mm. it was just a lot it was a lot to take in and the whole world was shut down I didn't know who to turn to who to talk to right and that's really when I started connecting to other mothers because I didn't know like they say in the main part of, of being a mother of a clubfoot child is having a support system right finding other people who are like you um who can just like hold your hand through it mm -hmm. and that's what I started looking for that I didn't need it with the casting I needed it more with uh boots and bar in the beginning Mm. and yeah. I started realizing that it's more common and people out there don't have that support system and I can build a group like that too so I reached out to a lot of people and I slowly started building up a lot of a lot of friends through this who are mm -hmm. also self mothers just like me um we're either starting out who or who are veterans of it who like their child is older and right. passed it but have the experience of it mm -hmm. um and when Another thing that I was just thinking about, um, when my son first started with his boots and bar, the doctor mm -hmm. told us that he only needed them for 20 hours, which 
I know it's oh. different for most yeah. for children. Right. Um, I know it's very common to have them for 23 hours. Right. Um, he started them off at 20, which I didn't know it sounded odd until very recently. Mm. Um, he only went for 20 hours and we weren't very strict with it. We didn't realize we had to be super strict with it. Mm. So for like a day, he wouldn't go, he would go without it. There would be hours. <laughs> it wasn't right but we didn't know any different we uh-huh. didn't know that like we had to be pretty strict with what what had to get done and, and that was the beginning of our journey and helping him through Kofa and it slowly we got used to the boots and bar we we really got um, used to it, I guess. Mm-hmm. So how is your son's treatment going now that he's almost two? Like, what are you guys doing? How has the process been since kind of that difficult transition with Boots and Bar? So the Boots and Bar phase is really difficult. Um, we're still having a hard time with it. Um, just making sure that he wears them at night. Um, going away, we go away a lot. Um, and when we go away, he doesn't sleep well in a pack and play, which means that we don't put on the boots and bar, um, which I know is not right, but we're working on like just being more strict with it. Uh-huh. And basically, when he turned one last year, um, last year, December, he, he wasn't walking and he wasn't even like pulling himself up, which I figured it was just normal delay. Um, as the months went on, I noticed that when he would pull himself up to mm-hmm. sort of like walk along a couch or a bed, his club foot wouldn't lay flat. Um, it was sort of stuck, like imagine like a foot in a high heel. Yeah, That's what right. his foot looked like, but it was stuck in that position. Mm. Um, his other foot laid flat, totally fine. Um, he only has it in one foot. So okay. we, the doctor, every time we went for his progress checks, the doctor kept saying his progress looked good and I didn't think anything of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I noticed that really it was it was getting tighter and tighter. It really wouldn't lay flat. Mm-hmm. Finally, I made an appointment by him and showed him the foot and I'm like, this is not okay. What is happening with my son? And why is his foot not laying flat? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they would say physical therapy. Honestly, mm-hmm. I didn't realize what it would entail. Mm-hmm. Um, he took a look at his foot and he said that, that he he needs a tenotomy. His Achilles tendon, Achilles tendon mm-hmm. was too tight and it wasn't letting his foot lay flat. Um, he didn't need this um, surgery when he was younger. Um, they told us that if he needed it now, he would need to go to a surgery center or a hospital um, and he would have to get put out. It would be like an actual surgery as opposed to being done in office because by that time he was 16, 17 months. Mm-hmm. Um I wasn't so happy with the progress going at my doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I emailed Dr. Um, Herxenberg mm-hmm. in Baltimore and we're about three hours away. And I emailed him. I'm like, is there any way I can get an appointment? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I emailed the office staff and they said they were trying to work it out for me to get an appointment with my insurance. It did not work out. But Dr. Herxenberg himself himself emailed me and said he'll give us a a virtual appointment a consultation for free just Mm -hmm. so he can see the progress of my son and sort of guide us or direct us to 
an, uh, a different doctor if we so choose. And we did that. And he took a look at my son's foot and I had sent him picture videos um, beforehand. So he sort of knew what to expect. And he he said he agreed. He, he knew the victim anatomy, but he wanted a different doctor to do it. Mm. Um, sorry, so the internet connection is unstable. Is it still good by you? Yeah, I'm still hearing you okay. Okay, perfect. Um, so he sent us to a different doctor about an hour plus drive away from us. Um, I think she trained under him. I think that's why he sent us there. Mm-hmm. Um, she is an anatomy for my son in May of, yeah, this past May. And he was then put into a hard cast for three weeks. The hard cast, it went under his knee. It didn't go all the way up to his knee. and really the the months leading up to the surgery and it was very hard for me it's just wrapping my head around like he's gonna be this anatomy and he's be put out and have a cat for three weeks and I wasn't sure I was like so okay with that and he ended up going to the surgery he was beyond amazing he's beyond amazing by the surgery they they finished up super quick because it really is a very quick procedure. And then I thought he would just be miserable in his recovery, but he totally fooled us all. And like, that's what they say. Like he, he's just so strong in his own will. Like hours after surgery, it was a Friday morning we had the surgery. Um, hours after in his cast, he's crawling around the house, getting all over the place, uh-huh. laughing so hard. Like it did not affect him. The cast did not stop him in any way. Mm. And really that was like, okay, it's sort of like common nerves. I'm like, we can get through the rest of what we have to get through. Mm-hmm. And we did. He got he went through the casting. He got his cast off. The doctor told us, even though he wasn't walking, um, he was about 18 months then. Even though he wasn't walking, we should get him shoes. So we went and we got him these high top, cute high top shoes. I was so excited to get my son his first pair of shoes at 18 months. I was beyond like, like everybody I know, kids his age are running around like, and he wasn't. But mm-hmm. we were just really excited for like the next step in his journey. Mm-hmm. And he, at this point, he wasn't. He was still crawling all over the place. He wasn't walking. Mm-hmm. Um, one day he picked himself up. He didn't start walking. He found a walker, like a toy walker. Mm-hmm. And he just started walking around. And I remember I was like, literally in tears. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's walking around, but with a walker. But that in itself was like so emotional for me. He was 19 months. He's finally like getting himself around without crawling. And it was just a very big like step, you know, <laughs> pun intended yeah. for us in that direction. And there, yeah, from there, it was just like waiting for him to slowly get the confidence to get up and walk by himself. And it took some time. It really did. Um, we had the surgery in May. He got cast off in um, end of, uh, in the beginning of June. And then we went through the whole summer of him walking around with a walker. Towards mm-hmm. the end of the summer, he started walking around just holding onto our hand, which was just building the confidence of him to just get up and really keep walking. And then um, September, he took his first first steps and it was just like an emotional like upheaval the whole summer. It was just like trying to get him to this moment of come take a step towards me. Finally did. It was just, 
he was 20, 21, 22 months. Like he was just like, we needed him to walk already. Mm. And when he finally did, it was like a lot. It was a very big moment in like our whole journey of him finally starting to walk. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't stopped. He runs all over the place. He he doesn't stop moving for a second. Um, and we're still in this journey. And with the boots and bar is that it's still very hard for us, um, mm-hmm. really hard for us to get him to wear it every night. Now that he's wearing it 12 hours, he wears it at night. Um, after this webinar that you spoke on, it mm-hmm. really pushed me to make sure he wears it every single night. Mm-hmm. And because that's the hardest part and I did not realize that like yeah he'll be wearing it till five years old and it's up to me it's up to mm-hmm. me as the parent to do this part of his journey and right. he's still young he still doesn't really understand like what's going on right um before the webinar he was wearing it once a week um which is really bad wow. um but I just really didn't know he had to but I knew he was so miserable wearing them mm. so just like was just making my life easier where I come to a point where like no I'm not making his life easier I'm going to be making it harder if I'm not strict on him mm. and now he's very used to it he's been wearing it every night since that webinar I'm very good with it mm. we have a routine where I put it on at night as a bottle so like knowing that like okay I'm finally doing the right thing and I'm hopefully mm. going to be doing the right thing and making his appointments and getting things done um because I know he's only two years old I know we have another few years of this right and there's like I I have to just be like consistent with him because I know that's the only way the journey will go um correctly right I'm interested to know what you think would have helped you like what resources or information or anything you think would have helped you initially to kind of understand the process more and what your role was as a parent? Like, do you think there would have been something that would have been beneficial to you? Um, I really wish I knew about this webinar. Um, like, I really wish that you had this webinar like months earlier. Mm-hmm. I was so excited when I heard about it. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just so random heard about it nobody had told me about it mm. um my son had recently got a new pair of shoes um and in the box with the shoes had a flyer for the webinar wow and I was just so excited but I put it in my calendar I told all my the clubfoot mothers that I knew of and we all like came on to this on this conference and we were just we loved it we we found the information so vital for us and it's just sort of like really helped us in the past few weeks figuring out like how we are supposed to connect to our, our child's journey. Wow. And I really wish I had that earlier, to be honest, like all the information said, and also hearing your point of view from a mother mm. was just, it was just like calming for us. And also the needed like strengths we needed to keep doing what we have to do. Well, I'm so happy that you had the information. I think that is one of the hardest things about just the work, like working in kind of the clubfoot realm at this point for me is getting like disseminating information to people, like trying to access people who need it. Like, I feel like there's a core group of people who know where to find information and, and, you know, whether that's through Facebook or social media or whatever that looks like, but then there's a whole nother group that maybe isn't involved and they're not being captured because that's not where they get 
information. So how do we reach parents like you that weren't, you know, where that information wasn't coming out, right? Mm -hmm. And how do we get that to them? I think that's one of the biggest things that I try to like push is like just overall clubfoot awareness, like awareness for people and then access for parents that have like resources that are accessible for them, right? Whether that be webinar or the podcast or the books or whatever that looks like, because everybody gets information so different in this day and age. Yeah. So I get a lot of my information through Instagram. I find, I found a lot of mothers through Instagram, through my Instagram page. Um, I post about my son's journey a lot on my page. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I post it and I talk about it so much and I, and I post this exact information. I say, you may not know someone now who is clubfoot, but you may eventually know someone, a neighbor, a niece, a nephew, a cousin, a friend's child who will have it. And -hmm. you'll hear that word clubfoot and you'll say, oh, I know somebody. I remember seeing someone's Instagram page. I remember hearing information about it. Mm. And from there, I've connected to so many different mothers who friends have heard about it and they passed my information on to them Mm. and they have a newborn and they don't know what to do or they're just looking for someone to connect to who's been through that. And and that's what I'm able to do. Because no, you may not know someone now who has Mm -hmm. it. Um, But eventually you may well, it is more common than people think. Right, that's right. And I feel like once you know, once you have a clubfoot kiddo, it's like, I know so many more people who are like, oh yeah, my sister had that. Or, oh yeah, my uncle had that. Or I had that as a kid or, you know, and you just, that connection piece is there that you didn't even know because Mm -hmm. the treatment happens so early. And if it is successful, the child doesn't even really have that much memory of it. So it's really the parents that are kind of like responsible Mm -hmm. for then sharing our information about what treatment's like with each other, which is so amazing that you've been able to do that and that you've opened up and been willing to share your experience because I'm a huge believer in just sharing stories and what stories can do and how that can connect people. And I don't mean just Instagram stories. I mean, like real stories, but like, yes, I know. But Instagram stories too, you know, like the whole yeah. just ability of storytelling and how we connect with people. Yeah. 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 I totally hear that. You were saying before about um, when people hear about it and they'll say, oh, wait, I have a sister or an uncle or an aunt just brought back that when I, we told um, first, I, I don't remember who we told first, but we told my my husband's grandparents and my grandparents um, that our son had club foot. Mm-hmm. And my husband's grandmother said, oh, my son had that, which means my husband's uncle was born with it. Um, we didn't know about it, obviously, until after, but apparently my husband's uncle was born with club foot. Um, and then I told my grandmother about it. Mm-hmm. And then she says, oh, my son was also born with it, which means my uncle also had wow. it. Wow. So, we actually both had an uncle who had it. We had obviously no clue because you're right. The treatment is done when they're younger. And obviously they had very different treatment back then. Right. My grandmother was telling me about like hard casts and both feet. And I don't know what was going on there. And I'm so happy that we have like a very good method. 
um, for Clubfoot. We use the Dobbs bar and the Pinsetti method. And it's, we see that it really helps. Mm-hmm. It really does help. Yeah, I do think that the treatment was so different. It's so funny because the Ponsetti method has become such like the gold standard of clubfoot care, but it's actually like relatively new, like mm-hmm. quote unquote, because it, um, you know, just really started to be come, you know, being used like in the late 1990s. So that was, I mean, it's less than 30 years old. And so you don't, so people like your uncles back before this was the main method. Yeah. Their treatment was so much different than what our kids are getting today. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very different. That's right. So what would you say? I'm interested to know, because a lot of people find out about, um, I think Dr. Hertzenberg in that webinar said that six, at least 60% of parents find out about Clubfoot in utero. So in some sort of anatomy scan before the child is born. So your experience was different with that. And so I wonder if there was anything you would have done different if you would have known if he would have been diagnosed in utero. And do you think that would have impacted your overall treatment experience? Okay. Um, if I would have known before, I probably would have done a lot more research into mm. what it is. Okay. Um, in the post-birth haze, um, mm-hmm. I don't really remember much what was going on back then. Mm-hmm. Um, really, after I had a baby, I was like very out of it. And I don't remember much during that time period as it was, but I do remember before he was born. So I can imagine that if I knew beforehand, I would have done my research. Um, I don't, we would have made his pediatrician probably aware of it. So mm-hmm. they would have, I would have actually spoken to a doctor mm-hmm. um, and made sure that we see a pediatrician earlier than two weeks. Um, because we spoke to a receptionist when we called them and they said two weeks is two right. weeks, whether they have club foot or not. Mm. So maybe we would have started our process a lot earlier. Mm. And really, I feel like not that much would have been different besides having all the, all the worry and anxiety of knowing that my child has got put. Mm. Um, in a way, I'm happy that we didn't find out until mm-hmm. after because the extra anxiety was not something I needed at that time. Um, afterwards, I know even now I keep thinking like what would have happened if we, we started it at a few weeks old, would we have gone through what we had gone through, but I still think mm-hmm. that we would have still gone, our, our process, our progress would have been somewhat the same, whether we started at a few days old or we started mm-hmm. at, at the seven weeks that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just didn't have that anxiety that I did um, when he was younger, when, um, before he was born. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. You got to skip all that worry. At the- yes, I can't <laughs> imagine having to go through that. I, I, There's so many things that I was worried about in my pregnancy, having a child with club foot, not knowing what it was and what would happen. Mm. was not something I, I'm happy that we didn't know. Right. Yeah, I definitely think it was a blessing and a curse for us because it was anxiety ridden for the rest of the pregnancy, but it did allow me a lot of time to research and know and have an understanding of what the process was like. And we were able to do a consultation with her casting doctor prior to her being born. And I think that that helped me too, because I had a better understanding and I'd already met the doctor 
Um, but I mean, eventually we switched doctors anyway, so it was kind of, um, but I did think in that way, it helped a little bit, but there definitely was a ton of worry. And I think it was a lot of worry was compounded with the fact that if, if she's, she's going to have clubfoot. So is anything else wrong? Like, yeah. And I didn't know. And I couldn't, it was kind of like when one thing goes wrong, you're like, okay, what else is going to go wrong? It's going to be thrown at you. Yeah. It kind of opened up this floodgate in my brain. I'm already, like I talk about in the book, like a very anxious person. So it wasn't exactly a smooth rest of the pregnancy. So, and that way I do envy that ability to just be there. And I do think there's something to be said about having your baby there and connecting with your baby and not being worried about the defect, right? Um, And what the treatment is going to be. Like once, once she was here, I was just like, she's here, she's mine. And I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make this happen, right? There wasn't, it was almost like, all of the anxiety and fear, I still had a lot of it, but about my ability to care for her was gone because she was here. And so you had the experience of being able to just, when you found out he was already here and he was with you. And so you were already starting to form that bond, you know? Yeah. When the nurse came and told me and Mm -hmm. my first reaction being that, oh, I have a special child there was no anxiety there as opposed mm-hmm. to if I would have found out in the right. ultrasound, I would have been like, Oh my gosh, what else is wrong? What else is wrong? What else mm. can we test for? Yeah. What else can we do? It was very different because they told me, right. she was like, he's totally fine. And he's so healthy. He just mm-hmm. has cuff up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It took out a lot of anxiety from there. Yeah. So what do you think has been the most difficult part of your treatment journey so far? I mean, you, you guys have been through a decent amount. You've switched doctors. Like, what do you think has been the hardest? The hardest I feel like is, I feel like there are a few parts. One being that I wasn't sure I can trust my doctor, whether it was pediatrician or his orthopedic doctor. Doctor, mm. um, I didn't really trust his pediatrician so much that there were a lot of other problems that came up that I ended up just switching to a different pediatrician. Mm. Um, because I needed a doctor that I can trust and I can talk to, and I need my mm. concerns validated. Um, right. which my that doctor did not. And another thing with the his orthopedic doctor is that I didn't fully put so much trust in this doctor. I couldn't. I didn't see him as so capable in knowing what was going on. Mm. I feel like he he didn't know what the Pensadiwet method was, and I feel like he he had seen a lot of patients with it. But I also know that he, it probably wasn't his primary um, care, mm-hmm. meaning that he, he did specialize in it. Right. Um, right. Which I find a lot of, you'll find a lot of orthopedic doctors like that. They mm-hmm. know what they're doing. They don't specialize in it. Mm-hmm. They don't have a passion for healing club foot, um, mm-hmm. which Dr. Hertzberg does. Um, right. We found him to be amazing because he, he knows so much about it mm-hmm. and he has a passion for pushing the, the, the parent and the child to to grow in the right way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he really cares. He really, really does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, even after he emailed me to see how the progress is going. Um, and for me, that was like a big thing. So when he, when we had that appointment with him and he sent us to a different doctor that he recommended, we were much happier. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's still like concerns um, I have with this doctor, but mm-hmm. I feel less concerned knowing that if there's anything, I could just we'll go to Dr. Hertzenberg. We'll, we'll tell him like we're having problems or with issues mm-hmm. with my foot. If I see him regressing, mm-hmm. um, because I know if I, I see someone with a passion for what they're doing, um, like I have a passion for telling people about my son's clubfoot story because I I it happened to me. I know all the details to it and I, and I want to share it. I want to know, tell people that what's happening and what's going on so they can connect to it um, mm-hmm. and hear it from my point of view. And I feel like if you find someone like a doctor who has that passion, um, mm-hmm. you're not going to go wrong with the treatment. Right. Right. Yeah. What do you, what do you think was the final, like for you? Like I know, I always really push like listening to your gut, right? Like trusting that instinct that something is not right. What do you think was like that moment for you where you were like, okay, we need to switch doctors. I need a second opinion. Was there a moment like that or was it a culmination of all your experiences? I think it was a culmination of everything that was going on. Um, I can't, my gut is like, I, I can't always trust it because like, I would say like one thing one day and another thing another day. So I never uh-huh. know like in my head what's exactly right. right. Like, yeah. So in my head, I knew I was nervous about this doctor. And mm. it was just like hearing it and getting my husband's point of view from it. Um, and having him come down to an appointment or hearing what's going on because he takes it. I take everything like in my head. Oh my gosh, what's going on? And yeah. he takes it a more of like a grand level view of this is what the doctor said. Do we agree with that or do we not agree with that? Wow. Um, should we go for a second opinion? So yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at an emotional standpoint as yeah. the well-being of my son. And he's looking at it as like not a not a non-emotional, but still right. like connected to its standpoint. Mm-hmm. So between that, we were able to put together that we weren't so happy with what our doctor was saying. And that's right. why we switched. So you guys were both in agreement to switch doctors. Yeah. yeah. And then did you research to find Dr. Hertzenberg? Like, how did you choose him as a second opinion? So I'm not sure what exactly happened to make us reach out to him. Um, Mm -hmm. I do know that a lot of parents in my area were going to a specific doctor in the children's hospital, the children's hospital of Philadelphia, I think CHOP, I think it's called. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know that, that a lot of parents were either going there or to Dr. Hertzenberg, which is three hours away. Mm-hmm. Um, and our doctor that we were going to was only a half hour away. It was a very big difference for us. And for me, I guess I'm happy I was able to go when it was only a half hour away and not have to travel so far with a newborn. Um, but when I I was looking into either of those doctors, the one in CHOP and the one in Dr. Hertzenberg in Baltimore. And I don't know, for some reason, something made me choose Dr. Hertzberg. I'm not exactly sure what. Mm-hmm. Um, I did hear a lot of parents who went to him um, were very happy with the mm-hmm. way their treatment was going. And I think maybe I was able to get his email. I think that was on top of everything. I was able to get his email. So right, right. That itself was like, okay, I, I got it. I think his like office email and I was able to go from there. And wow. that it was just like, okay, this is what I needed. Yeah, I do think that it's... Um... That's interesting. Like you really do start to take other moms' opinions and their experiences very like 
to heart, right? You're like, okay, they're having a good experience. And that actually holds like a lot of value and weight with parents to determine which doctor or which kind of advice to get and maybe seek a second opinion if needed. And then, yeah, Yeah. just access to doctors. Like that's one of the things that I um, try to be sensitive to is I really encourage people to get second opinions if they feel like they need it but not everybody has really good access to a person who, mm-hmm. you know, can give them the second opinion that they're looking for. Right. Yeah. I mm. didn't even realize we needed a second opinion until we got so many comments on my son and his foot not laying flat. Yeah. And that's when we switched. It was just like, we got so many comments about it and everybody noticed it. And mm. like, maybe your doctor isn't doing the right thing. Maybe mm. his progress isn't going so well and maybe he's regressing and maybe you should check it out. Mm. Um, and I, I'm so happy we got that second opinion. And obviously in our third opinion was the doctor that we finally landed right. on. Right. Um, and it was just like going all like back and forth and trying to figure out like what was the right thing to do in the next step in his treatment. Right. So if you could go back and tell yourself anything about the treatment journey, like if you could travel back in time to any part of it, what would you say? Yeah, what would I do differently? <laughs> it's more like, like, okay, tell what yourself. I... like it could just even be like, you know, oh, trust your instinct. Like at this point, I wish I would have listened to, you know, just like if you could travel back in time and have some time where you were like, what is there something? And if there's not, that's okay too. But I do you know, know, like something I would tell myself is like, literally don't procrastinate. And I'm a huge procrastinator. I will push off making a doctor's appointment and then I'll push off the actual doctor's appointment. Wow. Um, yeah. That was my biggest thing is that I procrastinated making that original appointment or the fact that we only went when he was four weeks old to his first appointment. And then again, um, two weeks later. So that in itself was like just the procrastination, like just mm. stop and sit down, make the appointment. You have to realize it's for your son's health and just get it done. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good one. Yeah. Um, so we talked about the thing that was the most difficult. Uh, what about any really special moments that jump out to you? I typically ask all my clubfoot moms this because I think that there's a lot of emphasis placed on like how hard the journey can be, but there are a lot of like super, at least for me, magical moments that I wouldn't have with my daughter if she didn't have clubfoot. Um, and those experience and those memories that I have that I wouldn't have if she wasn't born with it. So I'm interested to hear if there are any of those for you. We had a few of those and I mentioned them before. One of them, like the earlier memories of me being so excited with him was when he finally flipped over when he was wearing his boots and bar and he was delayed with a lot of things and flipping was one of them. And when I have it on video, the first time he flipped and I just sent it to a mother of a newborn. And she was getting frustrated with his developmental delays. Mm. I'm like, he'll get there. Don't worry. And I sent her this video. I'm like, we were cheering him on. And he gave us the biggest smile. He was, I think, five months old. Mm. And he started fully flipped over. And it was just a big deal. It was a big deal. And then slowly, like, the little things that people take for granted, really, like, when I mentioned before, when he started walking with a walker that first time, I was... I was literally in tears. I was just, it was such an emotional point. And when he started walking, wow. 
like, and when I posted about it on my Instagram story and like, I had so many comments because I didn't realize so many people were following along in his journey. And I've talked about how he's not walking and it's so hard for me. He's like a big kid. He's 25 pounds, mm. he's 22 months. He's not walking. What is going on? And when I posted a video, I got it on video. I'm so happy. I got these moments on camera right. um, of his first steps towards me. And I posted it and it happened to been a very hard day for me that day. And an emotional hard day. And then he took his first steps and I have it on video. and. It was just like it hit me, like oh my goodness! It was a big moment in wow. in in his whole journey was him right. getting to walk and him walking to me. Um, that really is like one of our biggest moments. Obviously, another one was like after his tenotomy when he was just crawling around the house and right. laughing away, like it was no big deal that he had surgery that morning. Mm-hmm. It was a big moment because it made me feel like okay, he got this, I got this, like no worries, right. Yeah, that yeah. maybe your emotional response and your expectations were it to be so much worse than it was actually going to be. Yes, yeah. really exactly what it was. Wow. I was so worried. And I'm sure those first steps were just so magical, especially for you guys, because you had been through the tenotomy later and had the three weeks of the cast and he was, you know, later walking. So you've been waiting so long for him to Mm -hmm. be able to make those steps and to see, I know for me, walking was just like the culmination of, or the start of at least all the work that we'd put in, right? Like she's walking and that's why I'm doing all of this is so that she can walk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now like I, when I see a kid at 12 months walking, it's just like, it blows my mind. I'm like, but there's a 12 month old that's walking and I'm like, cause yeah. he really walked a whole bunch of months later and then most yeah. of his kids. And now when I see him, I have a nephew who's exactly a week younger than him. And when they would play together and my son wasn't walking, he was crawling at that stage. Mm-hmm. He would run, not run. He would run crawl after my nephew and he would mm-hmm. chase him around the house. My nephew would be running and my son would he was a speedy, fast crawler. He would chase after him. It was like no big deal. And then when he graduated from crawling to the um, the walker, he would run after my nephew with the walker. And like every stage in life, I just have a picture of them two running after each other. And now, by the day when they were playing together, I just kept watching them. Like they're at the same stage now. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're a week apart. My son's older, but they're both running after each right. other at the same age, which until now they were both yeah. very different my son had a long boots, time had a cast and the boots and bar he was a bit like delayed in a few things and now they're like okay they're even they're at the same mm. stage now they're getting together you know yeah I bet that was really special yeah like they're finally able to connect like to them it's like I think my nephew even realized like when my son started walking, like he's like, wait, he's not crawling anymore. Like I think he understood, like he's not crawling. He's walking now. Right. Wow. That's really special. Yeah. So one of the reasons that we connected was through your desire, like you've talked about and what you're doing to spread awareness for Clubfoot through sharing your story. And how are you, like, what are you doing today besides if more than posting your story, what are you doing to kind of help spread the clubfoot awareness? 
besides posting Reddit, which I've got a lot, a lot of feedback from, um, yeah. I have a small group of mothers and we have yeah. a WhatsApp group and it's sort of like a cheer me on sort of group. Um, oh. There's two mothers on it that their sons are older. So uh-huh. they're looking at it as a retrospective, like sort of helping. Uh-huh. Um, and then I'm currently in it. My son's the oldest of, and there's two or three other mothers. There's three other mothers besides uh-huh. me who our kids are still going through the boots and bar. Um, my son's the oldest out of all of those. So I'm sharing like progress of how he's going on. Um, and then I'm dealing with, not dealing with, but it's more of like listening in and, and hearing all these other mothers. Mm-hmm. And we all have different stories. We all have different progress treatments um, and just how we are all taking it in and how we are all like getting past it. Um, and whenever something new happens in the treatment, mm-hmm. um, I have my son's struggles and they have their child's struggles. And when something, they, they I'm a, um, sorry, <laughs> um, one mother, um, she doesn't live in the United States, she lives in Canada. Um, she came in for a uh, specialty treatment for her son. So I'm talking to a mother on this group who lives in Canada and she comes into the United States for specialty treatment for her son. And it doesn't have to do with clubfoot, but it is somewhat connected because there was a de- developmental delay. And we're just there as a cheerleader for her. We're there to say, you got this. And we're here for support because even though we can't physically help you, um, we can't know everything that's going on with your son. We don't know like what treatment um, your son is going through, but we know that you're going through something and we're here for you. We're here to hold, like virtually hold your hand and get you through it. And I didn't have that when my son first started his boots and bar. Dealing with another mother that her son is just starting on the boots and bar. And she's having a lot of issues with it. Her son is getting a lot of blisters and his foot is not going well. His non-club foot foot is not, sorry, his non-club foot foot is not adjusting well to the boots and bar. He's getting a lot of blisters in it. And we haven't dealt with like the, the severity of the blistering that her son's foot is having, but we're there not to tell her what's right and wrong. We're there to mm-hmm. say, we're holding your hand through this mm-hmm. and you got this and whatever you need, you just throw it at us. We'll listen to you and hopefully we'll be able to guide you in some sort of way, um, which happened to have been like very good. She, I'm saying she was happy with the doctor, but we, we sort of like pushed her to go to Dr. Hertzenberg mm. and she did. She's much happier there. And we're so happy, even though it's a three hour drive from us, but like he, like I said, he has a passion to it, towards it, mm-hmm. and he is able to like figure out what needs to get done. Um, and we we right. couldn't obviously. We were just able to sort of direct her to the right doctor. Mm-hmm. Well, if people want to get in contact with you, where would they go? Like, where do you want them to reach out? To <laughs> they can reach out through you um, or they can reach me out through my Instagram page. Um, it's a business Instagram page, but I post a lot of my family life and my my son's story is all there. I have a highlight um, saved just for him and I post a lot of stuff and I add it to the highlight. So you can really, if a new clubfoot mother wants to see progress, like you could really go through it and really see his progress as a newborn through all the stages of getting to where he is now. Um, 
My Instagram page is Scarfection, which is like basically perfection, but the word scarf instead. So hmm. Scarfection. Scarfection. Um, okay. Scarfection. Yeah. Um, and really you can reach out through there and I'm here to like answer any messages and to listen to anybody's story and to, for people to hear my story, because I always say like, you may not know someone. And I said this before, you may not know someone who has it now, but you may know someone eventually who will have it. Yeah. And just to like say, they're not alone in it. It Mm -hmm. is a common thing. And there are other people like that and you could build your own support group with it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest today and sharing your story, Rocky. I really pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Yeah, it was wonderful to hear from you. And I really, I love doing the interviews, especially with other clubfoot moms and parents, just to hear their perspective and their journeys. And so I really find value in the experience and I really appreciate you sharing your story because I really think it helps build the clubfoot community yeah especially as our story is a little bit different than most right um it's not your typical so if anyone has a similar situation they can connect to that right understand that yeah and I really appreciate you being open and honest today about the struggles that you guys faced and the challenges that you guys have overcome and I'm so happy to hear that your son is walking and doing so great now. So yes. keep up the good work. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm pushing him to wear that boots and bar every night. Yes. Yeah. The hardest part. And if anybody is listening and they want to talk, if they want to watch that, it's actually recorded. So it was live, the one that you're talking about, but they can go and find it. I think it's on the LER Expo is where the recording is. So you could go and watch what Rocky's talking about that. It was very interesting. And I found it very informative um, as a clubfoot parent to just go through and listen to other people's perspective and to hear actual medical professionals talking about it. Right. And to hear a a point of view from a mother of a clubfoot child, I found it to be very grounded and very easy to listen to and very informative. Well, great. I'm so happy. Well, as always, thanks for listening and being with us to hear Rocky's story today. If you find if you found this episode helpful, please like and share with others. And you have Rocky's contact information. And if you need to get in direct contact with me, you can reach out at my website at maureenhoff.com or through my Instagram account at Clubfoot Chronicles Mom. So until next time.